subject matter is reclaiming, recapturing God's purpose and design for family, for marriage, for your life. Reclaiming, recapturing God's design and purpose that he has for marriage, for family, for your life, for, for your life, personally, one-on-one. We are reading out of King James. We, chapter 2 of Genesis will begin in verse 21, and it reads as such in our hearing. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her onto man. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave and cleave. Well, let, me, let me go back to 24. So shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. I'm going to touch on probably 25. Won't deal with it in its entirety. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not Ashamed. Amen. Father, even now, in the name of Jesus, Father, need your empowerment. Father, need your anointing. Father, need you to bring back to remembrance all that, that which you want me to say. Father, through my brokenness, pour out. Lord, through my inadequacies, pour out. Father, knowing that of myself and in myself that I can do nothing, so we ask that you would just, Lord, speak to us, your children. Allow your spirit to be the teacher and we all to be the learners. Even now. Ask that you minister to us. And no matter where life finds us, Lord, meet us there and speak to us. In the mighty name of Jesus, pour out your, pour out your spirit. Even now, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I must throw out a disclaimer. Uh, in this series, I'm throwing out a lot of disclaimers, okay? The disclaimer I'm throwing out is this. This first half of this series, I am painting the perfect picture. I am painting the way thing, things God intended it before seeing God in the way. Hopefully, in painting the picture, I am creating a desire. I am creating, I am moving some paradigms. I am shifting some attitudes because 
the number one thing is to be right where God wants us to be. See, to be honest with you, all that I'm talking about is really all about God. Whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you hope to be married, whether you like your singleness, whether you are a widow, your, our life is really supposed to be an instrument of God's goodness. Where our life is a witness that God is working in the midst of whatever circumstance he finds us in. It's really that we have given everything over to him and God is working it out. So the picture that I am painting is a picture of perfection. And it's not something that we have already arrived at, but it ought to be something that, that we, if we see it, we can, we, can, we can head towards that. Adam and Eve, there was no sin. There was no sense of fear. There was no insecurities. There was no, no sense of inferiority. There was none of the hurt. There is none of the pain. And they was at a point where they was completely open with one another and they gave to each other their hearts completely. Somebody got it right. They said, oh, Wow. Because in marriage, that is really the picture of marriage that we are given of each other's heart where we affirm what God is saying, where we affirm what God is doing, where we affirm the value and worth. But because all of us came from dysfunctional families, because all of us came from hurts and all of that, it is hard to give your heart. I'm talking about your heart. I ain't talking about your body. I'm talking about your heart. To anybody. Even in, in, in especially, let me just say, especially in marriage, because in marriage, what happens is because of all the hurts and pain, what happens, we shut down emotionally. So many times I discovered is that we also have to deal with healing, and we're not going to deal with the healing aspect of it today. But I'm asking God to Lord, show me how to minister healing of the past in a corporate situation like this so that, so that we can get over some of the things that happened to us in our past. Because all of us are carrying baggage. All of us got issues. All of us got history. And the secret is, is, is to trust God and to find God, to find our place in God, where God begins to give us victory over all that Satan has done in our past, that, that Satan can't hold us back no more, that we may enjoy the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Here, here in this perfect picture, Eve is brought to Adam, and Adam began to say, wow, and he breaks out in poetry, and he pulls her into his life. You are bone of my bone. You are flesh of my flesh. You are called woman because you was taken out of man. He breaks into 
poetry that he speaks into her validation. He is speaking into her words of validation. Before there's any physical connectiveness, there is a connectiveness that, number one, they are God's children. God brought her to him. God is the first one that gave the first woman away. He was the father that walked her down the aisle. Now, you want to talk about a spiritual wedding? It was all spiritual. And Adam saw in her what God put in her. And she saw in Adam what God put in him. There, there, was, no, there, was, no, there was no condemnation. There was no criticism. There was no, I wish that you had. But they were on the same page with God, full acceptance, full everything. I mean, now you want to talk being covered? I mean, the boy began to break out in poetry to her. He speaks into her mentally. He begins to move her emotionally. And they begin to connect on different levels. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Can you imagine this relationship? Can you imagine what they enjoyed with one another? That there was no friction. There was no fear. He did not see any faults in her. She did not see any faults in him. Adam was showing her his world, and she would say, Adam, 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 Adam. She was the apple of his eyes. And he was her hero. Somebody, I hear somebody say, Rev, we got to prove that. Let me prove it. God did not show Eve the garden. Adam did. God did not show Eve the animals. Adam did. Adam was already king of his world before God made Eve. And he brought her into his kingdom and showed off everything. And it blew his mind. Why? Because the way God made us is that we, we love to show off what we can do. We love to show off what we can. That's why we can, we, when we do something, we want you to. And what you got to understand is God made us that way. Your man needs you to believe in him. Your man needs you to, matter of fact, your little boy needs you to believe in him. Because the same thing that is in the husband is in the little boy. And they need, when they accomplish something, you ought to be the first one to compliment them. You ought to be the first one. The reason why we got some young men who don't feel like that they can do anything, because at home, they did not get complimented on their accomplishments. A young man got to have confidence to feel like I can go out and I can overcome. I can dominate. I can overcome. Your man needs to. How can I, how can I say this? Let me say this. Let me say this. Listen. 
especially in the African-American family, where, the, where your husband go out and have to prove himself and be twice as good on the job, the last place he needs to be put down is at home. I know I wasn't getting too many couples. Wait a minute. I hear something. I hear something. That, well, you don't know my husband. Wait a minute. There is no perfect husband. Just like there's no perfect wife. When Adam and Eve said the perfect next shift, and we all got false in us. And this is the key. We got to believe in what the God potential that God put in each other. If marriage is not about helping each other become what God has called us to be, then marriage isn't about anything. Marriage is about affirming in the other person what you see, what God has showed you, he put in them. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't have to have marriage about that. If you're single, you'll have some friends, some spiritual friends that can affirm you in the Lord. You ought to have somebody that can look in you and know your heart and see what God has placed in you because your greatest joy will be doing what God has called you to do. Don't think that marriage makes you happy. Ask some married folks. (laughs) Marriage by itself can't do that. You better have a relationship with the Lord. You best know the Lord. You best be, I tell folks all the time, if you desperate to be married, you ain't ready to be married. If you just gotta have a man, you don't need a man. If you just have to have a woman, you don't need a woman. Why? Because what will happen is you put that person on a pedestal and you expect them to fulfill all your needs and they are this jacked up as you are. It's understanding that the source of our everything is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he allows other people to come along aside of us to give validation to what God is already. You ought to be hearing from God. You ought to be hearing from God that you are somebody. You ought to be hearing from God that he made you special. My God. This world has crushed our spirits to the point we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. Every day we get crushed on the job, in the world, and sometimes at home, crushed from childhood, crushed. But when you begin to know who you are in Christ Jesus, heard talking to somebody who grew up on a farm, and they said that what they used to use in their garden was manure. Manure is a natural fertilizer. It stinks. Don't want to put your hands in it. But they said, you know what? Our garden grew better when we used manure. And I know we went to fertilizer, but just plain old good cow manure worked better than the fertilizer. 
You know what they were saying? That when they laid down mess, the mess gave what the plants needed to grow even better. Did you know the mess in your life is meant to make you grow faster, better, stronger? Don't you know that God will use the manure all up in? I mean, Satan dump a manure on you by the tongue. Guess what? Let him dump it and let God raise you up through the manure. Because once you come up, ain't nobody can tear you down. Nobody. Is there anybody in the house got manure in their life? Anybody in the house got manure in their life? Wait on God to raise you up above and watch what God's going to do. Marriage is it's supposed to be that we give validation to one another of, of what we see God is doing. Not to put down. Why? Because God, God, God didn't give you a, a, a full-blown tree. He gave you a twiggling. He wants you to work it out. He wants you to grow together. But it takes. Oh, Y'all ready for this? Not only does it take work, it takes putting your heart on the line. That's it. Oh, yes, sir. Luke 9:24, he says, whoever is trying to save their life will lose it. But those who give their life, well, again, now, he's talking about our walk with him. And what he's really saying is, is that if you try to hold back from me, then you won't get what you're supposed to get. The same thing is true in marriage. Someone said, I thought it was 50-50. Who told you that lie? No. It's as much as you can give at that time. And notice what I said. As much as you can give because we have to learn how to trust each other. We got to learn how to give to one another. You just don't. I, I know what you think. You think, oh, I'm in love. Everything's going to be perfect. No, it's not. You didn't know she ate crackers in the bed, but she does. You didn't know he'd leave his clothes all over the place, but he does. I'm not even going to use that one. Not today. Marriage is a covenant agreement. It's more than just two people getting together saying we like each other, we love each other. But when we stand before and say vows, we are saying those vows before God. It takes, it is a supernatural act to make two people one. There's no way as different as we are, even though we are counterparts of one another, we are so different that there's no way that two people on their own can become one. It's an act of God. It's God who missed the spirit together, that missed the emotion together, that missed them together. Look at the scripture here. Look, look at verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father 
and his mother. What? The man, why the manly? Because now he is a cover. He has gotten everything he needed from his mother and father. So now he knows how to cover. Notice it does not say that the young lady leaving Cleve yet. In the scripture, the young lady didn't leave until her bow came and got her. She was up under the cover of her parents, and the and the, and the, and the the intent is that that man was able to give everything that mama and daddy could give. Young ladies, just because he got gold teeth don't mean he can cover you. you you can turn the bad boy around. I mean, I mean, I mean, come on, let's get real. Just because he's cute don't mean he's a man. You ought to test them to see if they're of quality to deserve even spending time with you. And if he talks to you anyway, if he treats you anyway, if he says anything, if he don't honor you, if he don't. It is a covering that takes place to, to the fellas. Hate to say it. But there are some young ladies who've been so broken because their daddies wasn't daddies and everything that sometimes they can't respond to you. And you can do all that you can do, and they emotionally, there are folks that cannot emotionally connect. Because life has hurt us that bad. That's why marriage can be the greatest of things and the hardest of things. And before you pick anybody, you best make sure God picked them. You best make sure that, that there's a spiritual connection somewhere. You best make sure, because there's no guarantee just because you're saved and they go to church while you're, while you're dating them, that doesn't mean that they're going to continue going to church after you. I remember when I was out there in the world, they told me that if you want to find a nice young lady, go to church. So there's a lot of guys that was going to church not to find God, but to find you. And then finding you don't mean they're going to find God. There is a spiritual connection here that God takes two people and makes them one. There's a leaving, but there's also a cleaving. And in the cleaving, he is able to cover you. And there is a bonding. There is a spiritual, a mental, emotional. And lastly, it says, and the two shall become one flesh. And when we get that out of order, we mess. Let me, let me, let me throw this out. And you can ask everyone who's been to counseling with me. When you come to marriage counseling with me, 
If you are sexually active, I tell you to come apart. Because how in the world can you stand up here before God and the honeymoon is the seal and the covenant of the agreement and you've been doing it all the time. Hey, man did not invent sex. God did. Matter of fact, it's your wedding gift from God. Which means then that many of us done unwrapped the gift before it was time. Tell folks all the time, I said, God will give you second and third virginity. Yes, he will. If you go to him and repent, God, God, God will take away the images of your past. He'll take away everybody else that's been in your life. And if you go to him, God will take away your experience. And, and when you get married, it'd be like for the very first time. There's nothing too hard for our God. Nothing. Nothing. Y'all want to walk through the scriptures with me? Y'all want to see God's mindset? Turn with me to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. Last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. We've been looking at the world's picture. We need to see God's picture. 14. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. He is talking really about divorce here. And God hates divorce because he knows that it hurts folks. He forgives divorce, but he don't like divorce because he knows that it hurts. There is a, there is a scarring, there is a tearing that happens. Read with me, verse 14. Yeah, you say wherefore, because the Lord has been a witness. God says, I've been a witness between you and your wife. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me throw something at you. Y'all going to get mad at me, but I don't care. How have you been treating God's son? Let me ask another question to the fellas. How have you been treating God's daughter? We are accountable for how we treat one another. And God says, I've been, I'm a witness of how you've been treating my daughter. I knew y'all were going to get quiet on that. I knew. 
He said, wait a minute, you have dealt treacherously. And notice that the wife of your covenant. Wait a minute, I thought we were just taking some pledges. No, God calls it a covenant. Well, you know what a covenant is? A covenant is where there is blood involved. Well, somebody says, well, where's blood involved? Well, when a woman is a virgin and they consummate the marriage on their wedding night, the hymen is broken and there is blood. Hold on, hold on. It wasn't by evolution. That was a design by God to show us how important he takes the marriage vows. So guess what? Because God is in the purpose of taking two folks and making them one. Hold on. Let me prove that to you. Malachi. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Y'all done made me lose my... Verse 15, and it says this, and did not he make one? The prophet is asking, this is what he's saying to the children of Israel, isn't it God that made you one? I don't think y'all got it yet. Turn with me to the book of the Song of Solomon. Did you know that there's some X-rated stuff in the Bible? What you say, X, X, X? But, but, but it's for the married couple. Say, it's a good thing. Turn to Song of Solomon. That's about right in the middle of your Bible. It is after Proverbs, after Ecclesiastes. And it is a song of song, or the very best song, the very best love song. In Hebrew poetry, it is called a kiaz. A kiaz. A kiaz is a Hebrew poetry that the meaning of the poetry is about right in the middle of the poetry. It is Solomon writing to his first wife. Some scholar believes it's a love song to Christ. No, 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 no. This is actually a song to his first wife, and it shows the parallel and the differences in relationship between the man and the woman. It shows them at their time of getting engaged and their time working up to the marriage. I want you to see how they relate to one another because remember, I am painting the perfect picture. I am painting from a scriptural standpoint that it is when they are whole and have not been hurt, so they are free and loving each other, but it shows what a man desires and what a woman desires. Chapter 1, verse 2. Verse 2 is the Shilamite, the Shilamite woman who is talking to herself. And she said, let him kiss me. With the kisses of his mouth. For his love is better than mine. Now, now notice what is happening. She is speaking of her desire for her husband. Let me speak to everyone. Every woman that is there. Your husband wants you to desire him. He not just wants you to, he just don't want you to speak it. He wants you to show it. Y'all quiet on me. Just a 
as much as you want to be the apple of his eye, he wants to be the desire of your heart. And if you're watching Denzel and get excited on him on TV and your husband is... If you bragging on some other man and don't brag on your husband, you, I don't care how bad he is, you can find something to brag about him about. say that again. I don't care how bad he is. There's something he does good. If it's just making coffee in the morning, you ought to go crazy over his coffee making ability. See, y'all stay quiet on me. I'll get every man in the house to stand up. His desire is to be your hero. He wants to impress you. And when your man don't hear, he don't hear nothing from you, well, he knows, no, he don't. How he know? You haven't opened up your mouth. He will go through the motions of things without feeling nothing. I've counseled many, many, many a couples. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. Yes, sir. Uh, uh. Hold on, but, but, but let's go back to what Solomon. Listen to this. Verse, chapter 1, verse 9. Now Solomon is talk, talking to her. He says, I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses. In Pharaoh's chair. You know what he's saying? No, horses was prized. They was beautiful. Pharaoh had the best. And what he is saying is, you're more beautiful than that. Notice what he is saying. He is speaking beauty into her. He is verbally telling her how attractive he is to her. Fellas, you got to keep on speaking it because let me explain to you. Most women in the house or that have been born, have been hurt by a man. If it wasn't her daddy that hurt her, it was somebody else that hurt her. And you all know the game is we say what we need to say to get what we want. And after a while, they find out that too. So when you say something or you do something nice every once in a while, they think you up to something. They think they're strange attached. They think you're going to want something tonight. What they are looking for, will you do it when things are bad? Will you do it when things are good? Are you consistent at what you say and do because they want to know, is it real? Turn with me. Chapter 2, 
verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. Solomon to his, to his bride. He says, he says, as a lily among thorns, so is my love among all the daughters. Know what he's saying? Don't nobody compare to you. You're the apple of my eye. I was meeting with a couple that was in, they was about 50, they was in their 50s or 60s. And the wife says this. She says this to her husband. She says, yes, you are a nice person and you do every, you would do anything for anybody. But the same thing you would do for me, you would do for everybody else. Hold on, wait a minute. Hold on. Shh. <laughs> the man turns towards me and say, is there anything wrong with that? We're different. Most of the guys in here are thinking, ain't nothing wrong with that. Because they didn't get the picture. They did not hear what she was saying. Every woman in here know exactly what she is saying. What she is saying is, is that you don't set me apart. See that? He said, oh! He didn't know. They want to feel like that there are things that you do for her that you will not do for nobody else. That she holds a place in your heart that nobody has that place. See, it is submitting to the need of each other because God made us differently. That's why Peter says, dwell with your wife with understanding, consideration. No, study. Study. Know her. But not only do we need to know y'all, y'all need to know us. As much as we don't know y'all, y'all don't know us. You think you know your man. Won't you ask him sometime? <laughs> Hold on. Let's, 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 let's get to my main point. I know y'all getting sick and tired of me. Verse 4, still chapter 2, verse 4. And he brought unto me a banner, a banquet house, and his banner over me was love. Notice what she said. I feel covered in his love. His banner, his covering over me is not intimidation. His, his covering over me is not putting me down. Fellas, watch what you say out of your mouth because a woman internalizes everything. She can tell you the day you said it, the time you said it, what you had on when you said it, and you don't remember that you said it. 
Let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. In Genesis chapter 3, I believe in the verse 16, it says this, and her desire shall be unto her husband. There are two explanations of that meaning. One is this, that a woman has a desire to want to be of value and worth in her husband's eyes. Talking to a young lady, young lady said this, that when my husband was in the army and he was being shipped off, she said, it took everything in me not to run and jump on him and hold him and say, don't go. A number of ladies have told me this. Said, when they're away, I want him to call because I want to know that he's thinking about me the way I'm thinking about him. A number of ladies have said this. Can't wait till he gets home just to be there. When he come back from the trip, when he come back from the job, when he comes back, when he has to go, just can't wait. Fellas, what is going on inside of them is it's relationship that builds their day. And... They watch the letters form on your lips. They don't just hear, they watch the letters. And it goes directly into their spirits. With us, it's like water on a duck's back. Unless... You hit at an area where you challenge my manhood. See, for a man, when he opens up his heart, you best know he has opened up his heart. Because if you don't recognize he has opened up his heart and you say the wrong thing, or you make fun of him, or you put him down, the next time it was this open, next time it's this open. You do it again, next time it's this open. The next time. I can guarantee you there's a lot of men in this house right now whose heart is closed and their wife don't even know it. We have missed each other. Because we don't understand each other. Sin brought in destruction within the relationship between the man and the woman. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Verse, um, verse 5. Stay with me with flagon. Comfort me with apples. I am sick. With your love. Ain't that something? <laughs> Verse 6. Verse 6. Check. Hold on. Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. His left hand is under my head. His right hand is doeth embrace me. Hold on. Third voice. I charge you daughters of Jerusalem by the roll, by the hinds of the field, that you stir not love, nor wake my love 
until it's time. It's getting hot and heavy, y'all. They kiss it. And God's voice said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Y'all not married? Don't put the court before the horse. Hold on. It's not time yet. You see? There's a dynamic that is playing that when you become sexually active too soon, you quit talking to one another. You feel closer than you really are. Everything has their own place. It is, it is spiritual, it is mental, it is emotional, and then after the commitment is fully there, then it's physical. And when we place things out of order, we set up seeds of resentment in the relationship. Okay, let me go, let's go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Verse 2, verse 15, look at this. Take us the foxes, the little foxes. That's what I know it's saying. That the grapes that ought to be growing on the vine... It's not the big foxes that eat them. It's the baby foxes. You know what that is saying? It's the little things in the relationship that tears the relationship apart. Why would you treat a stranger more kindly than you treat your husband or your wife? Why would you show consideration for others and don't consider consideration at home? This is not just a relationship between husband and wife, but this is a relationship between parents and children. This is a relationship in general. Every day is a blessing. And the truth of the matter is, all that you are promised is today. And you ought to treat today as though today is the last day. You don't know if you got tomorrow. Hold on. You know why folks want to come in the casting with their dead relatives? You know why they, they try to jump down in the grave site and say, bury me with the casket? Because they didn't do it while they were alive. When you know that you have done everything that you possibly could do, you grieve, but you don't climb in the casket with them. You don't go down in the, in the dirt with us and bury me too. There's a, there's a grieving, but there's a peace with it. Because you know, I loved you with everything. Okay. Chapter 3, verse 6. The marriage is coming. And if you look through it, there's many times when it says, Daughters of Jerusalem, by the road, by the height of the fields, do not stir up. Do not wake up love till it's time. Okay, look at verse 11. He's coming. He got his crown on. The king is decked out in all his royal things. He's coming to get his, his, his bride in the day of the gladness of his heart. Okay, the married banquet is going on. Now, hold on. Put on your x-ray ears. 
Because now they are actually in the honeymoon. I mean, actually. I mean, in the midst of. Not the wedding, the honeymoon. Verse 11. Thy lips, O my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. I hear some ladies in the house saying, where's that man? Where's that man? And the smell of thy garment is like the smell of lumbering. A garden, listen what he says to her. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Look at 15. A fountain of garden, a well of running water, extreme of Lebanon. Blow, O north winds. Blow, O south winds. Blow on my garden. The spices there. Notice what he says. My garden. He's married to her. It's his garden. Chapter 5, verse 1. I come unto my garden, my sister, my spouse. I've gathered my myrrh, my spices. I've eaten my honeycomb, my honey. I have drunk. I, I have drunk my wine with my milk and eat. Third voice. Oh, friends, drink abundantly. That third voice comes in, and many scholars believe it's the voice of God. Who you think made intercourse? God did. It is the gift to the married couple to share each other for the rest of their lives. It is God who looks over them, and God has given his sanction, his okay, his blessing in the bed. Now, let me ask you, is this a better picture than the picture that the world gives? Is there anybody that want God's blessing on their marriage, on, their, on, a, on every part of their marriage? Don't you want God to get in your honeymoon and make it a spiritual thing where he's bringing two together as one? Isn't it worth saving yourself so that God can bless you instead of doing it the world's way that takes out of you and don't put in you? What are you saying Let's, let's, let's close this up. This, I'm over. It's finished. It's finished. It's over. What is the purpose? What is the God-ordained purpose of all of this? God is trying to set up an environment so that we can grow to be all that he has called us to be. And when you get married, two becoming one, which means that both y'all help each other to become what God has called you to be. I, to the ladies, I'm not telling you to trust your husband. I'm telling you to trust God and ask God to love you through your husband. Husbands, I'm not telling you to trust your wives. I'm telling you to trust God to teach your wife how to be a wife and how to help and be a helpmate to you. See, because all of us got to look to God. See, if you put your faith in people, people will let you down every time. I know we got some marriages that are struggling. I know we got some people that are hurt. And I'm telling you, take your eyes off your mate. Matter of fact, take your eyes off of the one you think may be your mate. 
You don't know if they're going to be your mate or not. Take your eyes off the person you think can satisfy you. I know just one person that can satisfy everybody, and his name is Jesus Christ. So guess what? If you allow Jesus to be your all in all, whether you're married, not married, child, old, young, black, white, red, yellow. What I love about my Jesus, he will meet you where you're at and he'll make everything okay in the midst of the storm, in the midst of your hardship. He'll make you satisfied being single. He'll make you satisfied in a bad marriage and give you the strength to know that God got you covered. You don't have to ride the roller coaster and someone want to act crazy. Let them act crazy by themselves. Make sure you're covered. Make sure you're in right position. Make sure you do what God has you to do and let God take care of everything else. He's good, not just sometimes. He's good all the time. And no matter what situation he finds you in, our God is I got a question in the house. I got a question in the house. Is there any single ladies in the house who know that God can keep you? Is there any single ladies in the house that know that he is good? Is there any married ladies in the house that know that God is able, that he's the best thing that ever happened? Is there any single man in the house that know that the Lord Jesus Christ is a keeper? Is there any married man in the house that know he's able to make you into the man you're supposed to be? What I'm saying, let's trust God. Let's trust him. Let's depend on him. Let's lean on him. Let's call on him. Let's pray to him. Let's trust God. In the hard times, trust him. In the times of tears, trust him. In a difficult time, trust him. God uses our right now situations to get us where he wants us to be. In divorce, trust him. In breakup, trust him. It hurt. Trust him. Take your eyes off of folks and put it on God. He's the only one. He's the only one. He's the only Somebody today, you here today? Your daddy wasn't a daddy. Your mama wasn't a mama. But God can make up the difference. He can heal your hurt. He can fix your heart. He can make everything okay. I don't know how he does it. I just know that he does. Today, if you're here, I got preachers that will pray with you and show you how to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. There's healing for you. There's deliverance for you. As we come, as we come, as the choir come, if you're here today, come on. If you're here today, 
Hill ain't got your name on it. Don't let nobody see. Look at 15. A fountain of garden, a well of running water, extreme of Lebanon. Blow, O north wind. Blow, O south wind.